that time. Your boy Rocco here, king size muscle, neurospicypodcast.com, at local666269.com, wherever you can find your finest palaba in podcasts on your RSS feeder. Amazon, Space Rocket, Jeff Bezos, com, Audible, 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 and of course, El Penguo, the Apple. <laughs> All right, we're about two weeks in here um, in the land of smiles of Thailand. It's a Sunday night, and it's the end of a long holiday weekend for locals here, celebrating the birthday of the king and uh, some Buddha holidays as well. And uh, I've never seen this side of the hill here in Jumtim Beach on the other side of Pattaya so busy where it takes like 20 minutes to get down the beach road because it's bumper to bumper local Thai traffic, and every three-wheel Sangtao squid and shrimp and chili and whatever fruit vendor hawking all along the side of the road. It was amazing to see all of the local families out and about for the weekend to celebrate. It was kind of nice to see things come back alive again. After a long pandemic hiatus, with plenty of places still shuttered up and closed down as all the punters had to leave town. But it seems to be uh, slowly coming back and jamming. Um, a lot of that has to do with the construction, 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 construction. All over Pattaya. I started out there the first week or so at uh, Soya Bukau, which was um, a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest with you. Because of the construction, you had to corkscrew one way in and corkscrew on the one way out, and I must have gotten lost pretty much every day. And by the time I figured it out, I ended up moving over here on the other side of uh, Prapnak, where the uh, muscle factory is kind of on the, uh, the center point there between... Patia and Jumtiem, and I'm actually in Jumtiem Nan um, now, and I was just uh, going over the hundreds of comments on the a video from uh, Tony Huge censored on YouTube that he did with me, kind of like fresh off the plane, and I had, you know, about 24-hour flight pretty heavy jet lag and so I was about as exciting as uh, dry white toast but it was informative essentially trying to uh, get some information um, to stay on my TRT therapy while I'm here um, because obviously I won't be able to uh, garner my subscription from the states and so there's plenty of options here and, and I've I've locked that down so no issue. Uh, I do need to get on top of a, 
a blood panel here and see where levels are at uh, as far as uh, hormones and cholesterol and everything else like that. Definitely been keeping an eye on O2 levels, uh, blood pressure, you know, things that I can monitor myself, uh, heart rates and so forth. So, you know, biometric data is always uh, vital to me. It's kind of funny, you know, some of the comments actually were well thought out uh, from Tony's um, followers and fans. But, you know, it's always a mixed bag. And I figure I'm on point if, if, if some of the comments were, were definitely Haiti and uh, not really well thought out. And so I wouldn't expect anything less from my fellow countrymen, especially those that have never been around the world or traveled or even figured out, you know, how the fuck to live their own life. But, hey, they're down to tell me that I should diet because I'm obese. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I was nearly 400 pounds, and now I'm under 300. So, yeah, dieting might be a good idea. Or not eating McDonald's. So, uh, I, had to, I had to throw a little dozens back because why not? Just for fun, see if we can stir the pot up a little bit. It's been uh, about 13 days since he posted the, the uh, video of us together. And it's uh, it's happened over the years a few times when I've dropped in on Tony and, and um, talked about things like SARMs or uh, other things that you know maybe we're working on. And of course, it's it's the quick knee jerk reaction to to hit me up about being fat or being heavy or being big. And at fifty four years of age, if you think that's going to get to me, uh, you're going to have to step up your game a little bit more if you really want to insult me then you should you know call me a trump supporter or something <laughs> call me a republican uh if you really want to fire me up <laughs> so needless to say you know it's just kind of the same old stuff from the same old mentality that we find on social media these days of a lot of these young guys who just haven't had a chance to get out in the world and their their entire sort of myopic connection to i guess other other beings i don't know is is through this kind of stilted reality tunnel of excessive video gaming probably um every kind of porn browser file folder open. Probably zero game when it comes to talking to women. There was some comments, too, about, you know, how terrified women, or especially even Thai women, would be at me because of my size. And i got to be honest with you, I haven't had any complaints yet, um, which is nice. It's one of the reasons why, in some of my social media, I'm, I'm pretty well divided or created different sort of nodes for myself uh, with people that I follow and um, uh, people that I allow to follow me. And so it's definitely really divided. Once I started working with analytics a little bit, I definitely would say, think about people that want to follow me more than I used to. I used to let anybody do it. And sometimes it would lead to uh, infighting and comments and stuff with, with people that I actually know in real life 
that I would consider friends or even family to a certain extent. And then, you know, some trolly strangers or whatever else, or even people that I, I kind of vaguely knew that would ultimately sort of reveal their misogyny or chauvinism or racism or negativity and so on. And, and that's really, I guess the thing that cracks me up is, is a lot of the negativity that's surrounded um, comments sometimes on, on videos that feature me in it, especially if I'm, I'm with somebody that's a bit higher profile, like, like Tony huge and enhanced athlete. Uh, and the other side of it is sometimes I gain or meet some really cool people out of that situation. So it's yeah, 50, 50, but it was fun reading the comments, of course. And, and all I could do is just say thank you for the well thought out comments, uh, in sort of a sarcastic snarky way, because it's just really easy for anybody to, to jump online and say something trashy. And I understand why a lot of people get burned out on social media because of that aspect. Um, especially if your skin is not a bit thickened by life at this point. Considering the nature of the source, it's also really hard for me to take it really too serious. The thing that I do enjoy is the fact that, again, without any heavy prompting or anything else like that, that uh, Tony Huge is still being gracious and kind and informative and willing to go out of his way to make time for me out of his busy schedule and help me and uh, encourage me and motivate me. And the fact that we've been friends since uh, we met in the Philippines a few years ago um, through some ups and downs in, in both of our lives, in, in different areas of our businesses and personal lives and so forth, uh, it's, it's awesome to me because not a lot of people have that kind of access. And, and I'm lucky because I have access to a lot of other people as well that I do feel like the inner circle does include me. Um, and I'm kind of the guy hanging out in the back there of the entourage with my resourcefulness as your boy Rocco. And, and that's really what it is, is one of the best compliments he ever said is, you know, I'm a, I'm a resourceful person. And I've had to be in my lifetime because I've had to really depend on myself um, to get by and, and create my own life. On this particular journey of, of sort of returning to the future, which was leaving here in uh, July of 2020 because of the pandemic to return to the States uh, out of concern for our in-laws and the situation that was going on, there was a pretty serious uh, point there that I didn't want to return and didn't think that I should return, but I did it. And you, you can't sort of, can't sort of shift out of that phase in some ways. There's lessons to be learned when you make those kind of decisions. And what have I said all the time is, is anything worth doing is going to involve an element of risk. And when you take a leap like that, you know, it's it's going to yield some sort of reward or penalty in my case um, that you have to sort of live with and deal with. And so to think about 
my other buddy, uh, koala build, bodybuilder in Thailand, uh, Nick, who's my my fasting bestie now, and we're kicking off. Well, at least I am. I'm kicking off another fast tonight uh, for 72 hours, like I did last Sunday, and I found it pretty effective, as I have it before uh, in the past, thanks to people like Thog and Ali and uh, Trisis from Guangdong who encouraged me to follow the sort of the teachings of uh, Jason Fung, Dr. Fung out of Canada, who's also pretty amazing. And I'm also lucky that I have access on occasion to uh, consult with him about fasting and so forth. And so it's nice to be around people that have similar values and goals to motivate and inspire you. And and I even mention this to my students quite often is I'd, I'd rather be with people that actually are better performers than I am, whether it's in the gym or in business or in podcasting or um, whatever, because it, it encourages me to do better, it encourages me to keep moving forward. There's nothing worse than being surrounded by detractors and distractors and haters and negative sort of feedback about when you're doing things that instinctively you know are right for you. And in the face of, of everybody else running the opposite direction and telling you no... It's like the old panel of Captain America talking about, no, you move. And so you got to hold a line sometimes in your life. And it can be a challenge because sometimes you're holding the line against people that are related to you, people that you are involved with in relationships people that um, are around you all the time, maybe because of your work situation or whatever else. And it takes a, it takes a, a certain amount of a testicular fortitude or for the ladies, chesticular fortitude, you know, tits up ladies um, to say, no, I, I'm sticking to my guns here. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to surrender galaxy quest. Uh, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to do it. As long as you're not like turning into a flaming ball of smoldering shit in your pursuit, such as being like a, a heavy drug user or a junkie or something like that, where you're not only you're destroying yourself, but everyone around you. If you're trying to do something positive to improve yourself, improve your mental state, your spiritual state, your physical state, your economic state, whatever it may be trying to get to that next level is important. And anybody that is holding on to you, trying to pull you back, trying to pull you down, giving you the old crabs in the bucket treatment, you got to kick them loose. I know it's hard to do sometimes, especially, like I said, when they are people that are related to you or people that you've been in a relationship with for a certain amount of time, 
whether it's significant others or significant formers or uh, long-term friends and so forth, not everybody's going to get it. And not everybody has to get it. Only we, the protagonist, has to get it. Because it's our journey. And the fact that on this journey, like Waterworld with the Sailor's Code, because of the limited amount of people doing these kind of things, it's good that you get your kudos or your respect or your head check from those that you enjoy or admire or look up to or say, wow, they're doing a great job. And they, they give you also the thumbs up or the nod or say, Hey, you know, try it this way without being, you know, a jerk or a dick about it or, or a nagging bitch or something, you know, just, it's nice. And one of the things that always amazes me about Dr. Tony Huge is he's never quite scatological. I I can't even imagine. I mean, it's almost like thinking about my father-in-law cussing. It's just amazingly rare. And he's very well-spoken that way. And and despite the amount of, of stuff that he goes through on occasion, where, as I said... It's like the old Buddy Hackett thing of dropping the anvil on your foot. You're not going to say, oh, it's spring. You're going to say, fuck, I dropped a goddamn fucking anvil on my foot. And if you don't say it, whoever takes you to the hospital is going to tell the doctor, he dropped a goddamn fucking anvil on his foot. So uh, I can't say that I've ever heard him uh, do that. And I actually really admire him for that. I mean, we know that that. People who uh, tend to uh, curse quite often are considered to be more open and honest. But I'd say that thinking about ADHD and masking and so forth and, and, and whatever this sort of wacky persona that I've got going on for myself is sometimes trying to maybe butch up or toughen up by cussing a lot. But also it has to do with the influences uh, around me growing up. You know, a lot of, a lot of classic stand-up comedy from people like George Carlin and Richard Pryor, Dice Clay, of course, uh, and among others, and then in, within my family. You know, um, that's how we talk to each other. And, then, and so, of course, you repeat uh, those behaviors or those habituations if you don't sort of consider changing them somehow. And so aside from from getting the nod here to continue to not waste my life on being natty as far as weight loss is concerned or muscle building is concerned or um, the effects of, of my mind without psychedelics or nootropics or whatever else. I'm a super knot, so I'll try anything. And if I like it, I'll try it again. Um, and sometimes I'm not like it. I might try it again just to make sure. But if you repeat it too often, then, of course, that's the definition of insanity. And uh, having kind of that element around me, I, I would say that one of the things that stands out the most to me is, is, is not 
Tony's uh, polyamory and not uh, Tony's capacity for um, a wide range of, of substances that you can use in your body. The simple fact that I never hear the man curse or swear is actually really admirable. Admirable, I should say. Pardon me. A little slushy, as usual, at this time of night. I've been at it all day long. And, uh, you know, the brain gets a little soft sometimes when you're not sort of reading from a script and you're just speaking a stream of consciousness, consciousness here to white bad audio, uh, background music, royalty free, of course, cyberpunk, dark synth wave mix, exile city, which is kind of funny because I, I mentioned that to my significant former that I, I do feel a little bit like Napoleon um, waiting it out in Malta here in <laughs> this part of the adventure. And so I'll be glad to actually get to the island next week and kind of settle in a bit more to a routine that, that I'm much more familiar with when it comes to um, putting my nutrition on point and my um, exercise with cardio and weights uh, on point. There's a, a couple of gyms down there in Copenhagen that, that I participate in and kind of rotate them out for variation, and they're cheap enough to do that. I mean, you know me well enough that I also do that in the States. And yet, even Tony himself said, you know, for as much work as you've done and gear and stuff, you know, why are you still fat? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I've gone from 400 down to just under 300 pounds uh, uh, and wanting to duplicate another 100-pound weight loss because I did it before. And some people said, well, that's not possible. You know, you might get lucky the first time or – Maybe you did it in, a, in an unnatural way because you used a lot of uh, things like SARMs and uh, other supplements and other sort of crutches, as it's sometimes called. But to me, an enhanced sort of weight loss protocol is always way more effective and, and much more interesting than maybe getting a weight loss surgery, which... I know for some people it's amazing and it's really effective, but it still has some efficacy efficacy issues for the individual because how many people get uh, tummy tucks, waistbands, whatever else, and end up blowing them out and getting scar tissue from it and so on. And my concern is is that because I'm kind of the Elvis when I'm on a roll and, and I don't want, I want cheese burger, my mom won't six cheese burgers and I want uh, two double milkshakes. Um, Mr. Double Double is what they used to call me in China, baby, uh, in Chinese because I'd have two drinks, whatever else. And it's definitely sort of an ADHD thing as well uh, to have like multiple beverages at once. Uh, I asked some people online in uh, TikTok and, and other neurodivergent superheroes did confirm that that's kind of a thing. And that's all right. I mean, it's to me, it's hydration. It depends on, on what you're drinking, but normally I drink pretty good things. So going back to the idea of like, you know, why am I still struggling with weight? Uh, again, it's, it's a lack of, of long-term consistency in the sense that even when I pull the weight down, if I start taking my foot off the gas of nutrition and exercise, I mean, I just blow right, right back up because I have a fairly 
sedatory uh, lifestyle um, since the pandemic of, of working online and being a digital nomad. And, and I really need to, I need to somehow get around some of the injuries that I've had that, that have robbed me of some of the mobility. And so even now, like I'm, I'm sitting down here in, in the buff in my hotel room, letting this thing fly and thinking to myself, you know, I just spent over an hour doing yoga and stretches uh, in the pool downstairs because the buoyancy is a great way when you are still chonky to help you get into those positions. And what have I done? I've gotten right back here into a, a very sort of slouchy sitting position in this chair talking to you. And so I need to stand up. The good thing is I, I did take the, the stairs on the way up here and the way down. Uh, at least now I'm, I'm feeling good enough that I can do that. And so that, that feels pretty awesome. Uh, you know, there was a time almost uh, a year ago when I could barely stand up or walk because of what happened um, in my back. And I, I, I don't think, you know, I'll ever fully recover from things like some of the degenerative uh, disc injuries at my age and so on. Uh, I will look in stem cell theory, uh, th therapy eventually, um, among other ways, to sort of turn this around. But until then, being back here has definitely gave me the extra boost at least on life for making those improvements because I can afford to get a massage almost every day at less than, you know, $6 an hour. <laughs> and it's worth it to me because it alleviates so much of the tension and the tightness that comes with sort of what I've got going on. And again, it's, it's almost sort of a pinched nerve root there between C4 and C5 that mimics uh, sciatica in some ways, but also causes, again, the glutes to fire and lock up. So I'm trying to stand and walk with my cheeks clenched um, sort of automatically without me like trying to release them. And so the process, of course, of massage and allowing me a little bit of extra flexibility so that I can do the stretching, so that I can do the walking. Um, you know, I have the upright walker that I use uh, also to keep moving. And it's, it's at the point now where I don't need it as much as I did. But, you know, you have good days and bad days. I mean, people with chronic pain understand these issues because they have to deal with them all the time. And for those that are, that are sort of on the outside looking in, whatever snotty snide comment or thought that they have, that's really on them. It's got really nothing to do with me. My pain is my pain just as the same as my success is my success. My joy is my joy. And if it means sitting down and feeding stray dogs, soy dogs here in Thailand, butter and cat food from my hand 
and giving them funny little names, just like I was feeding the pigeons the other day. Which local people here love that because it's it's a it's a sign of making merit in Buddhism of freely giving some sort of uh, help or assistance to those that may be less fortunate. And because of the, the idea of reincarnation, you know, those dogs could be still working their way through the wheel of karma and dharma. Um, Just like I am, I suppose. Not sure what I'll come back as next time if I don't get my shit straight. <laughs> but in the words of Alan Watts, you know, you're welcome to play this game as long as you like. And maybe this is my version of gaming. Um, I've always said that, that life is my video game because we live in sort of a holographic multiverse, Westworldy kind of funky place. And I reason why I say that, because it's a lot easier to tolerate and accept than maybe the actual reality of a rudderless world with these really terrible human beings that have somehow populated this planet and have fucked it beyond recognition in some ways. And now the planet is saying, all right, you ticks and vermin, I'm going to shake you off like a bunch of fleas. And so here's some climate change, and here is some heat wave. I talked to a, a fellow in Chongqing, China today, doing an English corner for another friend of mine, a top student that I've, I have had since 2008, who's moving into teaching English now. And he was telling me that it was uh, over 40 degrees in Chongqing, which is really hard for me to imagine because it is sort of in uh, the west end of, of, of China, kind of on the way to um, the Tibetan plateau on one side. And it is at a higher altitude and it, it is a, a funky place for sure. He described it as a magical place in his level of English. But the thing about Chongqing is, as a city obviously is, a place that I've always wanted to take people because it's almost hard to imagine how it has come into being. When I was there several years ago, it really was like three cities somewhat superimposed on one another. It's in a series of rolling hills and valleys because it's sort of in the foothills. And the city itself was very sort of ancient and tradition, traditional with a lot of buildings. And then the juxtaposition of all the brand new glass curtain sky, high skyscrapers and high rises and so on that looked very sort of modern dystopian because of the pollution and so on. And then the third part was, all the shit that was destroyed and, and turned turned over and, and torn down for future building. But what, of course, if you 
remember the story, and maybe you don't, and, and probably the closest thing to it that is in popular culture was that, uh, that offshore banking movie with Antonio Banderas and Meryl Street and one other person, and I forgot who it was, uh, basically talking about how the wealthy sort of screw the rest of us <laughs> with these different sort of shell slash shill corporations um, hiding money, dodging money, whatever else, including laundering money, of course, from the story where a British national national nationalism, well, I shouldn't say that, a British nationalist or a, a British citizen was involved um, with the wife of sort of the head of Chongqing at the time. And he helped them, of course, uh, to uh, launder some money out in, a, you know, billions of dollars to buy some place in the French Riviera, along other things. And he got greedy and he went, went back a few more times. And of course, she didn't want to be blackmailed, so she fucking poisoned his ass and he died. And unbeknownst to them is he had some connections to MI6. And so, of course, that turned into a, a big row. And the, the leader at that time of Chongqing in the province obviously was Robin Peter to pay Paul in sort of Trump fashion of trying to stay in power because of, of all the corruption and stuff that they were involved in. And she more or less took it to the kind of the chief of uh, the public security bureau, which is sort of their police outfit. And he <laughs> took that information and tried to leverage it to get out of the country so he could get citizenship from the Brits or even the Americans at that point. And of course it all blew open and uh, he was arrested and, and sent off to, I think, prison. And so was she and, of course, whoever else was involved. And uh, this PSB guy is kind of famous for making his bones in China of going after Falun Gong, which is a, an outlaw sort of culty, weird-ass Tai Chi sort of mystical religion that uh, he would not only round these people up, he would have their organs harvested. And so I always think that maybe Dick Cheney is, is one of those Chinese heart because he was able to get a, a replacement heart, I think, twice, like almost instantly, which is normally kind of difficult for people to get on the heart transplant list, even if you were vice president, which he wasn't at the time when he got one of the hearts. <laughs> And so I, I figured it's made in China, <laughs> like everything else. And so that was part of the controversy of using this guy's information is the fact that he was pretty dirty himself. But this is also sort of the nature of subterfuge at, at, at that level of, of politics and corruption. Nobody gets to that place without some sort of grift or graft or whatever else to deal with it. Um, you know, all great fortunes start with crime anyway, or a crime, including 
the fucking trumps or the truck and thumps between dad and granddad. And I think granddad was a pimp of some kind and a bootlegger and everything else. Uh, the same as, you know, the great Joe Kennedy and a couple of other people. I mean, that's what these people did. And, and through their organized crime connections or their crimes, whatever else that the descendants, you know, become legitimized because you gotta, gotta wash that money. And so that new money, you know, comes into conflict, of course, with the old money. Um, and so you get these, you get these kind of strange uh, battles among the wealthy and the elite uh, over these sort of different pissing matches and so on. And, you know, in the end, who really cares uh, on our side because it's got nothing to do with us. So it's even more bizarre that some of these people are really concerned about supporting uh, the agenda of these people and they actually vote against their own interest. If we look at the collective wealth of our representatives in our country, you know, the positions that they get actually don't really pay a lot, but most of them leave if they do leave way better off than when they started because we have a very sort of corrupt political system. And, 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 it's not like we have the corner market on that. It's almost any place where you go. And this is one of the, the complaints about different sort of systems, whether it is capitalism or communism or um, capitalism with Chinese features or whatever it may be, is that it seems to always be that power ultimately corrupts. And so the corruption that follows always means that we're chasing sort of the same scraps and there's a sort of a limitation of what is available because that's how we keep the value in our resources and money is, is promoting scarcity in these systems. And it's so much so that it becomes part of our own individualization, this scarcity mentality. And that's why a few years ago when people started focusing on abundance and gratitude, it was a kind of a big boost for a lot of people at our level, uh, on the bottom end, because we came up from crusty childhoods or whatever else. And we do have a tendency to, to use misery as the social currency the same way that the Chinese do. I mean, they, they live it in a way that, that it's almost hard to explain to foreigners sometimes how um, critical and, and sort of oof, um, judgmental they are with each other and so on. Considering there's 3.6 billion people, it's, it's sort of how they function. Uh, by choice uh, for whatever reason in the same sense that you might have families that are sort of stuck together because of the one child policy and then of course when a young lady is sort of uh, bullied and pressured into marrying you know some slack jaw local yokel from grandma and grandpa's village or whatever else to to keep things sort of in play I guess traditionally, for whatever reason, I suspect there's there's a little bit of uh, also inbreeding there, just the same way it's it is in rural America, where the the gene pool is is not as diverse as it should be. You couple that with 
um, the variations or the effective variables of, of heavy pollution in environmental settings. And so, of course, we have women that, you know, have multiple miscarriages before they can have a child. Uh, and and the pressure's on for them to do it before a certain age because they really believe that older women, you know, have babies that, that will be slow or stupid or ugly or whatever else. And, and so there's, there's a lot of um, maladjusted ideas within the culture itself that, that seem to be fairly prevalent. And, and it's no different than our own culture. We've got some pretty fucked up ideas about things, uh, especially uh, those that are you know, trying to push us into a uh, caliphate, a Christian caliphate or a theocracy in our country, that that same sort of one-third of people that have the literacy rate of a, a fucking sixth grader, um, and, and I would even suspect it's probably even lower at this point, uh, considering where sixth graders are at, unless it's on a, a phone or a tablet or a computer or something like that. Uh, can the little pricks read? I, I don't think so. Um, the more that I engage with, with students and young people, I can see that there is a huge divide or a huge disconnect in trying to figure out how to do things. And, and, and it's not universal. Let me, let, don't, don't shut me down on, on this one because you think I'm, I'm hating on young people that because I'm older. Um, it is a game that we all end up playing just like when we were young, you know, of course, they bitched about us. And now that we're older, we're bitching about them and, and, and the different levels of it. But again, does that, does that have an effect on all of this, having, having a large part of your population being somewhat illiterate or, or just enough literacy, as Carlin would say, just fucking smart enough or dumb enough to push the button and make, make the ride go? And that's enough until you're replaced by some kind of robot or something like that, which is, or automation, which is happening. And so how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you retrain these people? And these are, of course, the same sort of slack jaw mouth breathers that are really mm, excited to put on a red hat and make America great again because uh, they like all that fucking saber rattling and whatever else because it's an easy identity. It's a, it's a ready-made identity for them to superimpose on sort of their vacuous, empty fucking lives where it's much easier to use the social currency of misery to hate and be judgmental of other people that may be of different faith or sexual persuasion or gender, whatever else. And, and you could see why this great divide has been pushed because it's, it is a divide and conquer sort of strategy among those that control the media and um, whatever else that affects sort of the, the social engineering as a whole um, in, in society or countries, depending on where you're at. Now being here as, as a Farang, as a foreigner is, is a lot the same as it is in China as a Weigarin or Guaylo, where you're, you know, you're definitely considered an outside person. And so no matter how much lo local language you learn or how long you stay, whatever else, you, you will never sort of penetrate that. And, and that's actually really useful because it, it puts you on point in a way that, that we take for granted when we are at home 
in the sense that we feel sort of left out or filled with FOMO as we get older and cannot relate to those around us unless we are on social media and, and discover other people that remember sort of those nostalgia points that, that say that we are somehow connected, whether it's music or punk rock or movies or so on. And again, in my own uh, nodes of social media, the more that I, I refine sort of my channels or process, it, it's literally creating an audience that can sustain me in my values and my beliefs. And that, that's also important. I mean, it's too easy, I think, to, to go KFAB and, and be the heel and come out swinging and, you know, doing the, the things that upset everybody so that you can get likes, follows, and leads because uh, people respond to that. And, and definitely I'm not trying to be that in any sense of the word. And, and I want to think that what I'm saying to you does have some amount of positivity whether it is calling bullshit <laughs> or offering some kind of solution or, or just saying, hey, at least think about it this way. And I would say that, that being out of the United States has done wonders for me already. And a part of that is, of course, my own bias and prejudice in the sense that, you know, where, where your mind goes, your heart and your ass follows. And my mind has been here probably since we left because it's been tough at home you know, hashtag adulting the, the first, you know, year of being in my in-laws basement and not having to be able to go out a lot and so on. And then of course, gaining all of the weight back again and losing my mobility uh, and the ability almost to walk or even stand up uh, with some injuries that literally just developed from being stationary um, and I would say that even some of the, the pain that I have in my legs is due to a type of atrophy the same way as, you know, house had it in somehow because I haven't had a leg day in, in forever because it, it's just too painful. But at least now the pain seems to be a bit more manageable. It's still debilitating. I, I don't think I could work in a normal capacity the way that I used to not easily uh, or not without um, some assistance, whether it be um, biomechanical, like with a walker, or, you know, sitting down or something on the job or uh, medical. And that's, that's been sort of the pursuit or the option is, you know, they keep trying to give me pills for this shit or, you know, offering to send me to the OSU in Portland uh, to do some kind of back surgery that, that may or may not work. It's 50-50. And, and shit, that's roulette. Casino odds, red or black. And I've won fortunes that way, and I've also lost fortunes betting on that thing. And so to me, it's, it's, not, it's not good enough to say, well, we may or may not fix your back problem, but we're going to crack you open. And we're going we're gonna to put in some, some risers or some stints in your spine. I'm a bit leery of that. I think when you start monkeying around there, um, that's sort of last ditch, last effort stuff. I'm much happier with doing things like uh, using um, BP uh, 
157 and TB500 uh, as a healing stack that I use in uh, subcutaneous injection. And it seems to help, along with, of course, the TRT therapy that helps me to man up a bit about some of the pain and so on. But, you know, even the Chinese medical community, you know, one of their suggestions was, okay, you need to stay in bed, not move, don't exercise, don't lift weights, don't don't try to lose weight, and uh, take some of this oxycodone. And I'm thinking, well, what kind of fucking uh, opium den are you trying to run on me here? Uh, that's not the pursuit that I, I want to live. And so I'm actually happy to be coming off of medications right now and in using the supplements of uh, quality and a nature that, that I trust. And, and so you can debate me and argue and say, well, I'm just making expensive urine. So be it. I'd rather fucking uh, pee out, you know, a couple of dollars of, of golden Trump juice from my wiener because he loves that kind of stuff and, and get some kind of benefit. And I know people like, you know, Savannah, the pharmacist who's very outspoken, uh, believes that supplements are, are no big deal. Um, whatever that's that's for her i mean nobody has to do what i do nobody has to take handfuls of uh vitamins and minerals and hormones and whatever else you know like ray kurzweil and the singularity you know eating these fuckers like m&ms i'm not saying that that's what you need to do i'm just saying that's what i'm doing because that's what i want to do like they say you know what? You don't know, bro, that you can't just do whatever the fuck you want? Yeah. For the most part, as long as I'm not infringing on the pursuit of happiness among others, I don't have a problem with that. My body, my choice. You know, how quickly, you know, these assholes the last two years during the fucking pandemic who didn't want to fucking wear masks didn't want to get fucking vaccinated and oh my body my choice and then we decide in the fucking uh, supreme court of our fucking government see i'm getting fucking riled up again every time i start getting on this um of of using the scotus caliphate of you know scuttling roe versus wade which we knew would happen if we installed people like brett kavanaugh and the other Trump choices and, and how we let that happen is just disgusting. And so Clarence Thomas can eat a big fat dick. Easy E can eat a big fat dick. You know, as they used to say in the song, um, sorry, easy rest in peace. Um, but yeah, SCOTUS is that put this together. These, these, these horrible, horrible, horrible people who are so insulated by fucking um, their sort of elite status to reality is disgusting. This is what it, what the guillotine was for. This is why the, the sort of the French reset themselves in European history after the revolution of getting rid of these fat cats, these monarchs or these dukes and duchesses and all that shit. It's like 
how in the fuck did you get that? Well, you didn't. You fucking inherited it from some other asshole. From some other asshole. It's the great sort of adage of like, hey, where did you get this land here, colonizer? Well, this is my land. My daddy fought for it. Okay, great. Let us fight you for it now. It's what's coming to. And a fight's coming. I'm sorry. I, I hate to be doom and gloom. The fact that every day we see these reports of, of creepy, rapey motherfuckers now, because, again, kind of the same tribe of people that leave shitty comments about me and other women and so forth uh, tend to be sort of the same creepos that get with their buddy and drive around in trucks and harass women or try to fucking kidnap women, especially now that the at the – some of these states basically are saying rapey, rapey, okay, okay. Well, goddamn, I, I can't get behind that. It's no different when I left America the first time because we went to fucking Iraq under false pretenses. I didn't want to fucking pay taxes into, into that fucking war machine that supports a war that I didn't fucking believe in. And it's the same thing now. We've got the war on women in America, and I don't fucking believe it. I don't accept it, and I don't support it. And I know, I understand, cis white men, that you are fucking pissed off and bugged out and intimidated by these women who, especially in, in my half of the world, where you know it's about women who lift weights and uh, compete in bodybuilding and so forth, and train and coach and so on because I get, I get a lot more mileage out of them than I do some of my, my contemporary uh, male bodybuilder peers because they tend to be more really focused on themselves because it is, you know, like Tyler Durden said, you know, a type of masturbation of, you know, self-development as opposed to self-destruction when they're looking at the picture of like, you know, the, the sort of the, the GQ abs man or whatever else, you know, is that your definition of a man? And and for a lot of these people chasing aesthetics with body dysmorphia and so forth, they're so focused on themselves that, that they lack sort of an empathy for others, uh, even when they are becoming trainers and so on. And oftentimes they don't really know a lot about what they're doing. I mean, they've just gotten kind of lucky with genetics and their physique and, and, and been able to put on or pack on muscle and, control their diet to the point that they look pretty damn good. And so you've got also a huge tribe of women that have come over into this slot and it, and they bug the fuck out of everybody because essentially they're fucking warming up with your PR, your personal record. And when I see, you know, groups of little hip hop, I wouldn't say hip hoppers. I shouldn't say that. Cause it's not, I'm not really talking about, uh, you know, uh, that side of, of youth. I mean, I want to say something along the lines, you know, when, when I see these group of these of these young boys, high school boys, now that most gyms, you know, are suffering for business, they let, you know, 15 and 16 year olds uh, come into the gym. And of course, they 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 gaggle up because that's the same kind of guys that we went to high school with that that seemed to be unable to function unless they've got their little their little posse of minions or whatever together in order to somehow 
feel more comfortable in these kind of situations, I suppose. I mean, I get it. You know, uh, banging around with an entourage is kind of cool sometimes. You know, I mean, anybody that's done any gangbanging in the past, you kind of get it. You know, you get loyal with your friends and you have a good time. But on the other hand, um, I was at Lakeshore Athletic Club in Vancouver, Washington, which is used to be the old farts club. But I think COVID sort of cleared a lot of those folks out. And so now it's the guy when I signed up, he said, you know, the high schoolers get in here at a certain time and, you know, they are what they are. Um, and so you know, they'll go over and they'll occupy the squat rack and, you know, do the curling or whatever else. And of course it's a big line of people or, you know, they're just noisy as fuck because they're, they're so excited as a troop of young fucking chimps. They can't fucking control themselves. And, and, you come to the gym, and even if I'm just visiting on a day pass, whatever else, that shit's my church, man. That's fucking temple. The iron. You know, I'm a fucking follower of Krom, man. The iron does not lie. 25 fucking kilos today is going to be 25 fucking kilos tomorrow. It's going to be consistently the same because I, we live on this fucking holographic planet that does have some rules that are hard to get around and gravity is one of them motherfuckers. And so when I'm in there, when I do get in there now, I don't want a lot of fucking distraction. And I sure as fuck don't want a bunch of little Abercrombie Fitch bitch ass fucking mediocre goof ass fucking high school kids fucking around, especially in a gym that's, you know, filled with adults who should say, Hey, Shut the fuck up after you give them a, a proper warning. I'm like, hey, guys, keep it down. And and then they blow you off. Then you got to get fucking Bernie Getz medieval on their ass. And I get it. People are afraid of fucking young fucking white guys because they might come back there and fucking shoot the place up. That's where we're at with this bullshit. But I get on their ass because somebody has to. Somebody's got to be that sort of moral traffic light on occasion to remind these chittering chimps that there are other people around them in the world and it's not all about them. And you know, that, that membership is not cheap either. And so of course we're talking about uh, kids that are coming from pretty good uh, upper middle-class families or even wealthy families in the area. And you know, they, are able to get into this gym because of that aspect of it. And I don't really want to deal with that horse shit. I mean, you get what you pay for. I mean, you can pay 10 bucks and go to planet fatness, but then you also get people that are, you know, can afford 10 bucks. You might go to golds and pay a little bit more and people are a bit more serious. Um, and again, we're talking about franchise uh, gym life. And so it does get a bit cookie cutter in some places. On this side of the world or reality that I'm in, or the part of the multiverse, we have some gyms here that are just absolutely fantastically amazing with equipment that you've never seen before and, and the volume of equipment. I mean, the muscle factory itself has done a great job in, in both locations. And of course, uh, you know, our, our friends over at Elite Fitness who put in an amazing gym here in Patia that's air conditioned. 
and has top of the line equipment and so forth and, and is in a good location that's easy to find. And now they're starting to sort of pick up some momentum uh, because that's one of the things that is sort of tough to, to deal with is, is the heat in some of the gyms here in Thailand because obviously they're too big to, to AC and it's expensive. And so they don't do it. And if you are not climatized yet, I mean, hell, for the like the first week to 10 days, I'm just like soaked in sweat constantly. And, and I remember the last time I sort of immigrated to Thailand, so to speak, and had a teaching job down south. And, of course, I had to wear a, a button-up shirt and sometimes a tie. And I would just soak that shirt to the point where people were like, are you having a heart attack? Because <laughs> I just take some getting used to. And it's only been in the last few days that I, I'm sort of not just roasting. And, and the temperature has stayed the same. It's just that I'm getting acclimated. And, and it does take time to do that. And so through the process of that acclimation, you know, sometimes you need an AC gym um, or you work out early in the morning when it's cool. And again, even top gyms like uh, Muscle Factory are not air conditioned. And, and they probably never will be because the square footage is, is too gigantic uh, along with all the equipment that they have. Um, for the most part, it would be a tough thing to do. I mean, uh, I would imagine that electricity would probably cost more than the rent at that, prob- at that, at that pace. So there's a lot of things that, that, that sort of become effective variables in, in this process. And, and we've got to figure out how to either minimize or eliminate some of those so that we can stay on track. And granted, uh, it's not a perfect situation in a lot of ways. And, and, and so how do we deal with, with those ideas as well? And the only way we can is, is through the process of, of leaping for faith or experimentation. And so when I think of somebody like my friend uh, Tony here, a pioneer of human evolution, at least he's trying something. And when it works, he keeps doing it. And when it doesn't work, he stops doing it. And, but he's always thinking about sort of what is the, the next sort of, you know, dark side of biohacking as they market it uh, on his channel and so forth that they can, they can do and get away with and, and promote. And I don't have a problem with that. I think that's interesting. It's something that I do, and that's why we get along. Um, there are some other aspects, of course, of, of, of the situation that are less than favorable for me, but that's okay. I can be somewhat tolerant, uh, especially to those that I do enjoy spending time with. And when it gets to the point of, of, of the, the circus where there's too many clowns or not enough clowns, you know, I just get up and, and go take a break, just like I'm doing next week. I'm going to head back down and I'm going to see, you know, a guy that I've known for uh, quite a while since I've been coming down there who's also has never done anything but been awesome and gracious and, and I mean, I dare, dare I say almost loving in the sense that their food uh, at A's, and I'm talking, of course, about uh, Mike uh, H., who uh, has been in Thailand for, geez, 25, 30 years, speaks Thai very fluently, and is, you know, kind of the midnight mayor down there in Soi Krong Thai. 
on the island. And it's been a great resource uh, for being in Thailand and to the point where, you know, he's sort of a famous people. I mean, that's why it is, I guess, A's famous dining is because people know that this is the guy to talk to. And I always hype him up as being the guy to talk to if you want to find out about something, because he's usually got the inside uh, scoop on what's going on. And it'll be awesome to see him and, of course, his staff and the other friends that I've had on the island for a long time that, you know, I do consider to be in the inner circle to the point where, you know, you think of them as family and I've missed them. And so I want to go see them and I want to I want to I want to find out how things have gone on in my absence. You know, I want to see what has happened down there. I know there's a new gym that's open down there that that was being put in when I left. And, of course, uh, some of the pros like uh, Sebastian, uh, who is uh, Joe Aesthetic's brother, has gone down there. And he also kind of appreciates uh, working out with a lot without a lot of distraction. There are a lot of benefits of being down there and the fact that it's it is quiet uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I mean, there's still trying to promote some of the the parties and stuff that they used to have but you know the the business is just not there yet and so it's still sort of a special time of kind of this extended low season coming out of the pandemic and that means that there's opportunities um either in the fact that there'll be some deals to be found there i did notice that prices were a bit higher um the other day that i expected but also was going into the holiday weekend flex back down after that because it was packed here man it was every place was full on this side um which again is great it need, they need the boost um not as many foreigners as all local business over here i i didn't really see what was going on in patia but um i suspect that probably it was sort of the same situation uh, except probably with more farang than local people so Coming back to kind of the center point, I guess, of, of all of this aspect of of being here and trying to make things work with, you know, one foot in the grave back home and, and one foot um, on the shovel of trying to get out of the grave, uh, going back down to the island and so on. And, and, and I, I heard from my other old bestie, Diamond Star Geezer, a guy that used to be the bouncer uh, at a at a place, I think it was called Blondie's, if I remember right, which was pretty famous in Birmingham. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that, that works shows with The Clash and The Damned and everybody else. I mean, he's, he's, he's got great taste in music. He's well-read. He's educated. He's worked at Oxford. He's, he's done the knowledge as far as driving a cab in England, which is, they call it the knowledge because it's a fucking... A, a massive, you know, system of roads and roundabouts and whatever else that hasn't changed in a long time. And so the fact that, that somebody can have that as a mental map is amazing. And so I heard from him today and, and he sounded great and happy. And and uh, I know that some of the gang down there when I was in, in the south there in Trong, I know some of the guys have kicked off over the years because they were older and COVID and obviously they've drank in them drank themselves into the grave which is which is kind of sad that a lot of people come here and then get get hooked on the drink or the lifestyle and and end up sort of squandering away uh their their 
two tickets to paradise, baby. Uh, and you don't want to get caught up in that. You want to be involved with people that are that are sort of respectful of the situation, either through getting a marriage visa or being married to local uh, gals or something like that, and then maybe have set up families or whatnot, and have adapted themselves to this really unique place. It really is special. And and to be able to have this experience with the help of, of my loved ones, even though that I have put them through fucking hell in some aspects over this pandemic, uh, of course, talking about uh, my significant former in the sense that, you know, I've just done just about everything I've could to push this person away from me. And, and yet they've still managed to maintain their true sense of wanting to help and wanting to help me. And, and fuck, I'm blown away by that. You know, every day that I'm here and, and sort of like, you know, kind of dependent on, on them to keep things uh, together for me in my absence uh, is commendable to the, to the point that, you know, I feel guilty about it. Like I said, I feel like Napoleon, uh, being stranded on Malta back in the days, um, for whatever reason. And so getting down there to, to be kind of with my people, so to speak, that, that, that I've become close to over the last decade or so uh, is important to me. And, and I know that it, it was hard on my mother, bless her heart, you know, who's recently become a widow with my stepdad who kicked off, uh, as I talked about in a previous podcast. And, you know, I didn't really say too much to her because I knew that if, if I talked to her about it, she would try to talk me out of it. And, and even people were trying to get me to, to kind of go down there and so forth. But that's going backwards, even though things have changed. And people might say, well, it's it going backwards here. But yes, it's going backwards to the future. The future that I was was developing for myself before I got sidetracked by the pen fucking and going back to the States and, and getting caught up in in that sort of matrix of situation of hashtag adulting of, you know, leases and, and car loans and all that other fucking horse shit that's, you know, still kind of hanging over my head. I mean, I was nearly facing eviction recently because I was behind on, on taking care of my, my rent and so on. Um, mostly because I, I had a deal that fell through. Actually, I'm telling you wrong. I had three deals that fell through. I was trying to finance a uh, kickoff of a, a new startup, and I got got hosed on that one. Um, and then the next deal was, was kind of a, a handshake uh, situation that didn't produce, which happens sometimes, of course. That's the nature of business. And uh, the last one, of course, was was trying to sell Betty White, my station wagon, and and <laughs> not being able to locate the goddamn key to the lockbox for the title. And so, of course, uh, God bless the people that, uh, you know, wanted to buy the car. They were also old friends that didn't feel really comfortable with that situation. And, and, and I, I understood that. I just had to let it go. And so... I had kind of a vacuum uh, between getting COVID and losing some revenue that was key to keeping things afloat. Um, and of course the separation, you know, kicked a huge hole in the, uh, 
sort of the earning capacity and things that slow down. And so it was a pretty dark situation. Um, the darkest before the dawn, right? But despite all that, you know, I, I still managed to rally and, and prevail. And, and somehow by hook and by crook, here I am. And, and you know, it won't be easy. And it never is. And, and if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And that's why they're not doing it. And so if you want to make shitty comments or throw stones at me or whatever else, or, or you don't like my content, you know, eat a bag of dicks. I don't really care. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing this for me. Because it's important to me. Because I always look back on a lot of this and, and think about who I am and what I'm doing and, and, and where I'm going. Because <laughs> I do want to keep going. And, and being able just to walk up five floors of stairs the other day was, was such a tremendous personal victory for me that I had to do it again to prove to myself. Just like losing 100 pounds again, I had to do it again. Did I, did I purposely put on the weight? Nah, not so much. But once it started happening, I'm like, I'm not too worried about it because I know I can peel it back off. But it does cause damage. And it's one of those things of risk versus reward in that sense. Um, and if I can keep going even farther this time, um, I think it'll be awesome. You know, uh, my bestie said, hey, I'm looking forward to the to the time that, well, actually more than one person, including Tony himself, has said, I'm looking for the point where you, you have to go to get skin loss surgery. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely getting kind of flabby here with this extra weight, kind of hanging down and so forth. I feel like, Adam Sandler and Click, you know, kind of jiggling it around here. Watch the jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. You even got the, the old lady sort of Batman arms here. But part of that is is not hitting the weights enough uh, through this process. And so that will happen because there's not a lot else to do down there uh, except go to the gyms and, and go swimming in the ocean and, and go swimming in pools and, and take care of my stuff online and, and read for fucking Christ's sake. That's one of the things I miss the most in my life is reading. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm glad that I can share it with you. Whether you want me to or not, I'm going to. Because I think it is important for someone out there, somewhere on my, my analytical map uh, that's provided to me, in my RSS feed for this podcast, and I find these these little towns in the globe where someone has listened to this or downloaded it, 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 again, it blows my mind. So thank you so much for being aboard the crazy train. Choo choo. And so occasionally I'll get some kind of random follow from somebody that says, Hey, I'm so-and-so from, you know, da -da -da -da. And I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's cool. That's what, that's what the purpose is for me is trying to make some other connections uh, in this funky stuff that we call life and reality. And those connections are important because we realize that it isn't everybody, and that it is kind of us. We are the ones. And are you a host or are you a player, you know? And I can't help but look around sometimes and think about all these sort of NPCs 
uh, non-player characters that, that seem to be lurking about without any sort of real purpose aside from uh, being a prop of some kind and waiting for some kind of engagement. I know this kind of talk bugs out some people that care about me. Uh, they don't want to talk about timelines or they don't want to talk about <laughs> Matrix living and so forth. And again, as I've said to you uh, multiple times, you know, hit me up on the right time of day and, and either I will argue one way or the other for it. This idea of predestination um, versus free will or predetermination versus uh, free will. Um, it definitely has to be both to a certain extent in, in a you know, in a dichotomy or hierarchy that we cannot fully completely understand, at least at this comprehensive level. Again, it's the same argument that I used to make at, at the Christian college when they would try to quarter me up in different sessions or whatever else and, and try to convert me or evangelize to me. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm just not comfortable with putting some sort of idea or vision of God in this little Judeo-Christian box. Um, I never had the courage at that time to say to them, you know, I've talked to God several times. I've had the privilege to do that because there's no atheists in a foxhole. And when you are in a near-death situation and it is sort of at the end because someone has sent you off on some kind of mission for their condition that has put you in a life and death situation. You get to the edge of the abyss and you look down and you realize you lost a lot of friends there, baby. And you ain't got no time to fuck around. Hey, hey, hey. I ain't talking about love. Because my love is rotten to the core. And those fucking lyrics mean more now than they ever have been over what's happened in my life recently. And to say that that. God is a part of this uh, Iron Age sheep herder's guide to the galaxy from the Middle East where they've fucking have basically um, subterfuge and, and, and through the process of, of ancient colonization, stealing from the Babylonians and the Sumerians and, and whoever else to, to formulate this dreadful thing called the Bible. And I'm very critical of it right now. Uh, I, I, I have been for some time, but I'm much more now so because of the fact that it's not so much about Jesus. It's about the followers or the people that claim to be followers. And they're not Christians to me. As, as I said, they're X-I-T-I-A-N. I abbreviate it like we do Christmas, which uh, annoys them, but because that's who they really are, they're pollens in the sense that they are really following the book of Paul when it comes to their gospel. Um, and Paul was kind of a fucking know-it-all and judgmental prick on top of it. And um, you, you stack that up against an awesome book like the book of Matthew, 
which is way more relatable, the same as uh, Psalms and Proverbs are in the Bible to me. Um, but those are only some of the examples of the books that, that, that seem to dictate the, the difference between these people that have this faith. And again, uh, going to a Christian college because they had uh, some sort of versed expertise in training people to go overseas to uh, teach English, basically becoming tent-making missionaries. And so, I mean, I, I use their resource uh, to, to benefit my own pursuit. That's also kind of human nature. And, of course, the exchange of that case, uh, luckily for me, they were recently had been sued for diversity issues. And like I said, I went to the recruitment night, and there was 30 staff and two people showed up. I thought, yep, I probably can get into this university considering I had a, a, a long sort of cobbled record of false starts and full, full starts and broken classes from different junior colleges over the years, trying to sort of complete some kind of degree um, without being massively put into debt. Um, the cost, of course, was, you know, these lovely young people with Jesus on their sleeve trying to get me to be indoctrinated into what has happened to them. Uh, ironically, since that happened, I graduated like in 206. Um, and so, you know, I was in my 30s when that happened. And of course, they were half my age. Most of those people have also gone the opposite way. You know, life has, has definitely put them to the test in the same way that it did to me. And so, a lot of them have questioned uh, their upbringing and their faith and have since left it and found other things that are much more sustaining to them. And a lot of them uh, had, it had to do with sexuality. I mean, a few of them have, have, have come out. And of course, that's, a, you know, a taboo thing. By the time I left that university, which is now under a different name, essentially what has happened is that the pendulum swung back the other way and, and the same sort of ilk of people that have elected some of these assholes that have, have tried to <laughs> codify uh, a woman's right to choose what to do with her body in the sense that she doesn't have the same rights as we do as men. Uh, uh, that doesn't stand well with me. That, that aggression does not abide in the sense that if I have the right to fucking choose, why don't they? And so instead, what they've done in some of these states is if they've basically made it open fucking hunting season uh, for rapiers, rapey, rapey, rapers, which is not about sex. It's always about power and control. And so what they've done inadvertently is they've empowered these fucking guys that ride around in trucks in pairs who probably should just jack each other off and suck each other off instead of, you know, trying to fucking molest uh, some poor girl by herself uh, or scare the shit out of her because they have no ability to talk to women in a way that promotes some sort of consent that is doable or allowable. It's pretty scary shit when I think about it. And, and I'm terrified 
for the women that are related to me or within my family or women that I, I, I enjoy or like and their daughters and sisters and aunts and moms and whatever else, it, it's just absolutely horrifying to me. And to the point that I've had to leave in order to prevent sort of safety <laughs> from my point of view in the dark passenger that somehow has managed to to take up residency within me because of the capacity for violence that I've had in the past. And I deal with that. I deal with that every day. Um, it's one of the reasons why I never sleep very well sometimes. Um, it's trauma. I know it's trauma. It's trauma that is that has manifested itself in part because of the chicken shit blood that runs in my family on the uh, male side, I should say, from my father, who also um, suffered from a lot of it and his narcissistic abuse for years and the grooming that he put me through um, is still something that I'm dealing with at my fucking age, which annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> I think like, when, when do I get fucking better? When does fucking Pinocchio here get to be a real boy for a change? And so it's just best I remove myself from the temptation and from the equation and get the fuck out of there lest I be, you know, cornered in a situation that is going to require me to do something that I just don't want to do anymore. I've been there, I've done that, and I know what it leads to. And I don't want to, I don't want that. Even being here um, with some of the isolation that I've experienced a little bit uh, on purpose for the most part, and looking at, at those around me and thinking about a situation where it could emerge. I have to sort of also keep the lid on it. Again, it's it's the old adage, you know. Uh, the real beasts are the men that, that keep it under wraps through a type of discipline. And part of my discipline is to recognize that when that fucker is going to come off the chain that I need to remove him <laughs> from the dog park, so to speak, lest he uh, cause some kind of damage. And yeah, I talk about him in the second person because it's better for me to anamorphosize it as not being really who I am because I don't want to be defined by that. The same way I don't want to be defined by my uh, past and my history uh, for uh, drug and alcohol abuse. You know, as a person that um, has been able to support and promote their own recovery, um, granted, is it, is it, is it the, the squeaky clean 12-step program? No, of course not. But I recognize the fact that that if I don't sort of keep in motion and keep away from those certain factors that I would get fucked up all over again. And so there's, there's accountability there for me. And if it requires, again, going halfway around the world uh, to a beautiful little tropical island 
where not a lot goes on in order to feel safe and be safe with myself, um, that's what's going to happen. That's part of the discipline. And it doesn't come easy. I mean, it does come at a price. It does come at a personal loss. Um, and that's, that's the ticket to the boatman over the river sticks here. And so we're going to leave it at that. I appreciate again, the comments and suggestions and advice and just the general thumbs up. That means a lot to me. It always has. Um, coming from the outside or from whatever fucking planet I'm from to at least have some sort of um, acceptance among peers and, and among those that I admire, it feels good. The fact that, that the human aspect of me is, is often celebrated by others means a lot to me. And the fact that, that people are often surprised or unwilling to accept that other dark passenger side of, of myself that has led to some pretty um, heinous acts in my past. The fact that they can forgive me and accept me for it allows me to at least get a little bit closer to forgiving myself and accepting um, that as being okay. But it may require being removed <laughs> from the population the same way normally we would do that in the uh, school to prison pipeline for some individuals. But this is my choice for me, not, not, not privatization to make money for some corrupt judge or his group of cronies because they don't like young black men or young brown men. Um, it's a, it indeed, it is a twilight world, tenant. And uh, I'm going to put on my, my air here pretty soon. I drop a couple of ice cubes in my, uh, CPAP machine uh, you know that people say you probably shouldn't do that it's a bad thing yada yada but they, you know these are the same people that told me that I would never be able to lift weights again that I would never be able to deadlift again um, I say kiss my ass because I'm doing it I'm doing it out of sheer fucking will and, it, and if again if that's part of the idea of free will versus uh, predestination or predetermination for your life, then at least I will allow myself that folly. And so it's good to be on the mend. It's good to have a healing journey that people believe in. And I'm willing to pay that price of sacrifice of giving up sort of the easy life or the, the life of complacency and compromise 
in order to sort of fit in with the rest of society. I was not born into that, and I was not raised to be that way. And no matter how much I've tried to conform to that out of a desire to serve those that I love and those that love me, we have to recognize a sense of individuality that I have that sets me apart from everybody else. And I'm here to celebrate that. I'm not here to negate that. I'm not here to, to water myself down anymore so people can tolerate me. If you love me, you love me. If you like me, you like me. If you got the fuck yeah energy when I say, hey, let's do this and you want to roll, then let's do it. Otherwise, you can take that shit and pack it up and take it someplace else. And it's uh, it's difficult in the sense that it is isolating to a certain extent. And, and, and myself, along with others that who are at this point, have had to learn to enjoy our own company. And the fact that I've, I've been able to build a, a sort of a small collection of, of people that I've never met in real life, obviously, it's through social media. And a lot of them are just amazing people, amazing individuals who are doing themselves a great service by following through and what their heart and their mind and their soul intends for them to do. And it really does seem like only a handful of people that really have a soul that I can relate to. And the rest, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> and I don't really care. Just lead, follow, or get the fuck out of my way. Okay? Because that's how it's going to be. The right way, the wrong way, or the Galloway. And that's your Neuro Spicy Podcast for the end of July. Wow, where the fuck is time going now? We got our fucking foot on the gas. We're accelerating. And I love it. Just like I love you. Be good to yourself. Let your smile be your umbrella. Whether it's in the fucking roasting hot ass sun or the hard ass rain. Keep smiling. I mean, I'm in the land of smiles. And, uh. I love it when the locals smile back because I'm smiling because they think, oh, this Farang gets it. He's not being an asshole. He's not complaining about, you know, things are not perfect because it's not where he's from, blah, 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 blah. And I always think when I run into those kind of people overseas who start bitching about where they're at, I'm like, well, fuck, is your passport still good? Well, go the fuck home. <laughs> you don't fucking like it. Just like me, you know, you love America or leave it. Well, guess what? See ya. I'm out. I'm out. Like Dave motherfucking Chappelle. And so uh, 
sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to walk away. You got to walk away from the money train or the gravy train sometimes. Because it makes you fat. It makes you somebody you're not. And you don't want to live your life that way because it's full of conflict. It becomes very twisted the same way that it twisted me up and led me down the path of infidelity in my marriage, led me down to uh, drug abuse in my youth, led me down to alcoholism as a young adult, and led me down to, you know, using um, sex as a, as a coping mechanism for whatever reason, the same way that I've abused food almost entirely in my life since since a young age, since about the time my parents got divorced, I think. I mean, well, I, maybe I was a chubby baby too, I guess. I was a pretty big kid, but I don't, I don't think obesity really sort of kicked in until probably about puberty when I look back at, at, at how big I got from being a homeless kid in junior high in eighth grade, moving to Blythe, California. And within, you know, a period of, of one to two years going through puberty, just becoming a complete butterball dealing with a narcissistic father and dealing with the crustiness that comes from poverty in a situation where, you know, high school sort of never ends. And I'm still working. I'm still working against all of that shit. And I'm going to keep working it until somehow we get to a new, a new way of, of, of thinking, right? Isn't that uh, urge overkill, right? A new way of being, I guess. I'll have to go and take a look at that. I haven't thought about that sister Havana in a while. In fact, um, that reminds me, I should send that to my Cuban friend uh, because I do think of, of them as a sister. I, I think of a lot of the people that I communicate with of the female persuasion uh, as sisters from other misters. I, I know it is all men, myself included, because we got dicks. And we like to fuck, and sometimes uh, we don't understand how to properly um, follow up with consent in a way, and, and um, we become very predatory. We feel like we have the right to sort of approach women when sometimes they just want to be left the fuck alone. And I can respect that. I can get behind that because oftentimes I want to be left the fuck alone. And if I have the right to do that, why don't they? Why, why do we have this, this separation between the sexes on, on who can do what? What sort of fucking medieval, you know, overbearing Catholic church patriarchy fucking horse shit is this? You know, we went through the Renaissance to get away from that shit, and then we fucking uh, went right back into it when the Puritans decided to colonize this country and bring that horse shit with them because... They were too fucking puritanical even for the British at that time. And so now we are, we are stuck with this legacy as Americans. And a third of our population have decided to sort of buy that hook, line, and fucking sinker. And they are sinking. They are going down. 
in a fucking ball of flames and determined to drag us in with them because they have to steal our reality in order to exist in their own because they are delusional in every sense of the word. And the only way they can remain in that delusion is they have to feed it by trying to control us and own us and purge us again by taking reality bites from us to empower themselves, whether it is looking down on us or whether it is trying to convert us, or whether it's trying to make us feel bad, or in this case, they have managed to uh, superimpose and super implant themselves into all the levels of government from the local to the state to the to the federal and national level and at least we have a few people that are still trying to hold that line of saying no you move we will not and so even though i'm not in the country i'm still going to be kicking fucking dicks of people that are screwing us over and I say us, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about everybody. It's a big fucking club and we ain't in it and they're using it to, 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 to beat us over the head and jam that red, white, and blue dick up our ass, George Carlin says. And he was right. He was prophetic. We need that voice now more than ever. We need that energy more than ever. We need comedy and we need sarcasm and we need humor. And so st- stop fucking canceling that shit because you are too fucking chicken shit or thin skin to deal with it. Great example was the clip of, of the white guy dressed up as a, uh, you know, kind of a gaucho sort of Chicano there with the, the hat and the serape and a fake mustache. And he went around his college campus and to his other peers of that generation who said, well, that's cultural appropriation. That's offensive. And so he took that shit down to Alavera Street in Los Angeles and talked to real Mexicans, and they fucking loved it. Because we're not fucking candy ass. We're not offended by that kind of bullshit because the guy wasn't being racist. Give people a chance to make a fucking decision on their own. And so all this sort of pissing match among... uh, influencers on social media, whatever, they also can eat a bag of fucking dicks. Because who are they serving but themselves and their slack-jaw fucking rabbit-ass fans? You know, I got in a pissy match with a guy that's, you know, got a much bigger sort of following and account than I do and so on, and, and he's determined to make sure that, you know, he shuts me down. And I said, hey, Wolfman Jackoff, I don't give a fuck. This is the internet, dude. We clown motherfuckers here. And we clown those motherfuckers that we don't agree with. We have the right to do that. And and sure, you have the same right to not agree with me. I don't fucking expect you to agree with me. I expect those that get it to agree with me. It's for them and for myself. It's not for you because obviously you don't have the fucking capacity 
to understand what it's like to be around predators who want to fuck you in your fucking holes in your body. That's why you don't fucking say shit to women that you wouldn't want to hear if you were in fucking prison. Because it makes your butthole get tight. Because it's about to get fucked, motherfucker. Unless you want to fucking fall down on something sharp like my dick or a shiv, then you better back the motherfucker up. And stop fucking with our women. Let them be. They are people. They are human beings. And we have, we have done more than enough to create a, a space for equality. And we need to do more so we can at least shore up the fucking gender gap on things like money and opportunity and orgasms, believe it or not. And so take your fucking little dick energy, your LDE fucking intimidation, cancel fucking racist ass fucking culture and ram it up your fucking ass as far as it'll go until it finds your head because that's where it's at, man. And hopefully... It'll be too much fucking room in there that you might have to take your head out of your ass and realize that what I'm saying to you is actually fucking correct. In the same sense that anytime you fucking pick up a gun, we assume the motherfucker is loaded until we clear the fucking breach and pull the fucking clip out or pull the fucking bullets out of the goddamn cylinder and look down the fucking pipe to make sure that there isn't going to be a misfire and that someone's going to get hurt because that is real drama. A goddamn gunshot wound of someone dying in your fucking arms. Until you've had that experience, don't tell me drama is the fact that you think someone has culturally uh, been insensitive to your fucking trigger points. Grow a set, will you? Suck it up, buttercup. Not everybody is going to fit in your fucking box of rocks. And that includes me as well. But right is right and fucking wrong is wrong. And if you're wrong, I'm going to fucking tell you because I'm King motherfucking Kong in that sense. I know what is not good. I may not know what is good. I may not know what art is, but I know what I fucking like. And I know the difference between right and wrong. And I'm sorry. This cancel culture, fucking theocracy, whatever else, sensitive bullshit is wrong. This world is a will to power and nothing more, and we need to fucking put that will to the power. And we need to put the power back in the will of the people. And take it out of the hands 
of those elite that have decided to corrupt the system to the benefit for them and their fucking gang. Because when the kids are united, <laughs> they won't be divided, Sham 69. And when you see some fascist totalitarian bullshit, you fight against it. First by calling it out. And when that doesn't work, you fucking hit the streets. And when that doesn't work, you fucking hit the sheets. Especially when they wear them over their head, you fucking Ku Klux Klan fucking clowns. Suck it. Shame on you. How dare you, vile, vile savages. You move. That's We're not going to. We hold the fucking line. I promise you. All right. I've digressed more than enough repeatedly for the benefit of your entertainment for one hour and nearly 48, 49 minutes. That should show you how much palava I got, baby. And there's a lot more where that came from. So stay tuned. Be good. From the land of smiles, your boy Rocco, King Size Muscle, the NeurospicyPodcast.com, local666269.com. Hit me up, Buttercup. If you're vaxxed and you got a passport, come on down. You won't regret it. I promise you. Cheers.